0: So I don't know about you, this is the first day I woke up and I'm just feeling pretty good. I know I'm on like a different trajectory. I had, you know, the issues that I've had personally. Some people are probably still in the throes of issues, but I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling great today. Probably because I slept in for the first time in a month, which at first was depressing because I thought it was Sunday because I took the day off yesterday. So I'm thinking I got to really scramble to get this stuff done and, you know, I was like, wait a minute, I have nothing to do today. It's Saturday. I'm on my second gigantic mug of uh, chilled, I'll call it, not quite lukewarm, it's colder than that. There's a chill to it. It's chilled instant coffee. What a great day today is. And if you're not quite there yet, just just remember, you're probably just lagging a couple days behind me. So give it about three more days. You're just going to pop out of bed and say, wow, what a great day it is today. Hang in there. So, um, today obviously is going to be, get out of my face, PFF day. Sorry, <laughs> it's bugs. It's it's no big deal. It's, sh- you know, they should be dying soon because winter's coming, but there was a flash of 70 degrees and then, like, you know, the rogue fly comes in your house. Decides to pester you while you're doing a podcast. He just living his best life. Which, to be fair, what else does he have to do? Eat garbage and die in a corner of my house somewhere, I guess. Um, But today is PFF Day. Uh, We've gone through quite a bit of that already as far as stats and whatnot. I'll give you a couple little tidbits on um, some of the other players, not just in terms of what they did against the 49ers, but kind of where they stack up this year, see if we can kind of glean anything from that. It's mostly grades because we did stats, so if you're not interested in that, then just hang on, we'll move on from that. Because it's Saturday and because there's no Packers game tomorrow, I thought we were in a kind of a unique position here where I'm not pressured to talk about an upcoming matchup. I do want to talk a little bit about some of the games tomorrow, but I also thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the college games coming up from the standpoint of guys to watch that are potential Green Bay Packers in 2021. And I'm probably going to stick with guys that you care about the most. In other words, I'm not going to do deep dives on nonsense. I'm just, we're going to look at wide receivers mostly. (laughs) Guys that are going to get you excited. Well, we might need a cornerback, so check out Mississippi State Technical Institute. Jimmy Beeman had a good. Man, I just, you know, you get what I'm saying, right? Got to give the people what they want. And nobody cares about Willie Beeman. Dude. It's kind of funny because I I don't know where Willie Beeman came off the top of my head. I know it's from any given Sunday, but I just Googled it to see, like, what was that from again? Steeman Willie Beeman was, Mike, was, uh, what's his name's character? Turns out, Willie Beeman actually was a football player. Turns out, he was a cornerback. Huh. You ever get the impression sometimes your brain knows stuff and just doesn't tell you about it? Like, hey, brain, I need a name of a random cornerback. What do you think? How about Willie Beeman? He was a cornerback for the Giants in the 70s. Thanks, dude. Wait, what? (laughs) I'm passed out. He's up, like, messing around on Wikipedia. But we'll we'll see where that gets us. That's three things, right? Three things should carry us on on a random Saturday, and nobody listens on Saturday anyways, so there you go. We'll just hang loose take it easy. Um so there there was some not super fantastic news. COVID strikes again in Green Bay. It's actually been happening all over the league. It's been flaring up. I mean, I guess that's just what's happening around the country, but just a lot of reports of guys popping up on the uh COVID lists and reports and whatnot. Um Jordan Love and Chris Barnes, which obviously Chris Barnes is more impactful than Jordan Love because Jordan Love is not even activated on these in these games and whatnot. Now, I believe Love is... He, I don't think he tested positive. I just think he was in close contact with Chris Barnes. So he's also in that high-risk category. And I don't exactly... I would assume you just give the guy a test, and if he's negative, you let him go. But I'm not positive about that. They might be worried about false negatives or something. I don't know. Some other bad news. Dexter has also been uh, added to the injury report. He's going to be out for a little bit. So we're kind of in a bad way. We really need Aaron Jones to be full go. I haven't heard anything about him re-injuring since last week. I don't think it's even come up, but it's definitely been on my mind. Um, The guy was a little iffy, and we kind of ran him into the ground in that game. And then um, I'm not also sure about the timeline between A.J. Dillon and Jamal coming back, but hopefully we get those guys back soon because it's getting real thin at running back. But really, I I think, I'm kind of getting to the point where I feel like as long as Rodgers, Devontae, and Aaron Jones are healthy, I'm feeling good about it. Like that trio, and then if Alan Lazard comes back, that quartet right there is like, we're fine. As long as the offensive line doesn't deteriorate to too big of of a degree, I think we're fine. And really, I shouldn't even say it, because I know offensive line is important. In fact, I tend to be more pro offensive line than most especially when it comes to the draft because everybody hates drafting offensive linemen and i i love doing it because there's nothing better than a dominant offensive line i just think back to the cowboys like what four years ago or whatever when they had the best offensive line like in the history of the universe and they just annihilate i mean what are you going to do you can't get to the quarterback they just bulldoze you out of the way with a running back obviously behind them i mean a talented one and it's just like you can't stop this offense Because largely of the offensive line. I just, I love an offensive line. But at the same time, you think about it like, well, how are we going to survive if we don't also have this dominant offensive line? Nobody seems to mind um, Seattle and Minnesota, which is such a weird thing to me. You just, every time you look at Seattle, it's like, dude, you're just going to kill that team. They're not going to be able to run. You're going to get to the quarterback easily. And you just can't. it's like, well, I I mean, I, okay, so that's a bad example because you can scramble kind of, although they still run the ball. I mean, not horribly, and it's not like Russell's under duress every snap. And also Kirk Cousins, I mean, that again, scary offense. How? the I don't know. My perception of what happens when your offensive line deteriorates and the reality of what happens based on what we know from teams that have rough offensive lines, they don't exactly sync up. But obviously it's going to result in a couple sacks that you don't want to happen, but it's not like you're never going to be able to play ever again, clearly. And that's where the complication comes in with David Bakhtiari as well. On one hand, no chance you let that guy go, because, I mean, what are the odds of finding another David Bakhtiari even if you draft in the first round? Should I go through the list of recent first-round draft picks and how much they suck? I'd rather not, but if you're curious, I'd be happy to do it. Again, we got to remember, just because you... Put that energy into the first round pick doesn't mean anything because most first round picks are bad football players, as are second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, and undrafted free agents. Most of them are really bad at football. So it's not a matter of let's just get rid of them and grab another guy. I don't know. I I guess I'm just thinking out loud at this point because I'm confused. Usually it's not this hard. I feel like I have a pretty solid idea of what I want to do, but it's. I think it's because the my gut is telling me everything that my brain is against brain says never ever ever under any circumstances pay a running back but then I watch football games and think you know when Bakhtiari's in and Aaron Jones is out we're not very good when Bakhtiari's out and Aaron Jones is in we're pretty good so do we pay the running back 11 million or do we give Bakhtiari 22 million just thinking out loud here Anyways, a couple things. Um, first of all, I posed a question. I don't know if you guys get up. I think you do get updates or whatever. Um, in Patreon, for those of you who are in the uh, $10 a month tier or above, um, Mr. Coach Hahn was asking some general guidance as far as the Tuesday Zoom meeting, what you guys want him to cover. So I put the question up. Please leave some comments and thoughts if you can... Uh, if you're planning on being there, what would you like him to cover? Again, that's going to be on Tuesday, I think around 5 or 6 o'clock, depending on your time zone or whatever. But you'll be able to go in there, uh, check those things out, ask some questions. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's pretty jacked up about it, so I'm hoping you guys can make it. There's, there's quite a few of you, so I'm hoping at least several of you can make it. And again, I'll drop that Zoom link for you, um, I don't know, Tuesday sometime. If you're interested in joining in that you can uh check that out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you're not interested in joining at that level that's fine you can join for as little as a dollar a month not for zoom but you know to support the show and whatnot um i'm still working on the transcribing thing it is a lot of work it's kind of a pain but uh, we're getting there actually found a uh way to do just a free blog that has uh i can offer subscriptions or whatever so i'm gonna try that and see if it works it's kind of clunky but making progress anyways why don't we take a break and then we'll uh look at all the goodies that i had mentioned let's start off with the one and only iron jock Ironjoc.com is where you can learn more about them they were developed with one goal in mind to build the most advanced line of performance wear ever created no matter what the cost and i'm sure it cost quite a bit <laughs> The result has been a unique collection of apparel built from techn- technologically advanced superfibers. Yes, I'm reading this, but I always skip it, and I feel like it's important rather than my random rambling to actually tell you about the company. They were built from technologically advanced superfibers, which are backed by groundbreaking science, and a guarantee that if for any reason you don't love it, send it back, no questions asked. Guys, if I got you this for free, please don't send it back. But if you check out their website, ironjock.com, you can see their line of polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, socks, and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants, all of which are infused with their silver ion, which kills 99.9% of bacteria and fungus, making it stink-free, as well as wicking and fast-drying, breathable, and anti-static. And their Tech Plus fabric, which can be found in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jackets, are also water-repellent. So check them out, ironjoc.com, for a closer look at their unique collection of apparel featuring Silver Ion technology. Follow them on Facebook or on Twitter at IronJock. And don't forget about my friends over at MyBookie.ag, where they got odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets all season long. They've got thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, contests every single week. Pretty much anything that you want to put money on, they'll take that action. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, which gives you access to all the casino, uh, the the classic tables, the slots, the card games. Biggest difference being, at MyBookie, the doors never close. Although they didn't here in Wisconsin either, but that's, you know. So you can continue to build that bankroll, even after the stadium lights have gone out. So make the right play and sign up at MyBookie.ag. When you do so, use promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway. So when you put down $200, they'll match you another $100 into your account. Free cash money to play with. If you were already planning on betting this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in the fun and win some cash while you're at it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... About seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get ten percent off your first purchase by going to arenaclub dot com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer! Ten percent off a four hundred dollars slab pack—that's forty bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub dot com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase. All right, so let's start off with these PFF grades. Um, some of this you've probably already heard. There were three elite players on uh, the Green Bay Packers. DeVonte Adams was the highest with a 92.7 overall, which again is hilarious because it wasn't that long ago against Seattle when we looked at it and said this was his highest game ever. The guy just keeps getting better. He broke that with like a 93 something, which became his highest game ever, and then he gets another 92.7 game. It's like this is just becoming a regular occurrence where he is just elite all the time. He doesn't stop. It also was brought up and again, you know, take the PFF grades for what you want, but the, the question was brought up, or not even a question, it was a statement that Devonte's better than Jordy ever was, which, you know, somewhat of an unfair thing, but just to, to put in perspective how PFF views this, if they were to weigh in on the debate, the highest grade they ever gave Jordy Nelson was in 2014 an 86.9 overall grade. Uh, Devontae's been higher than that the last three years in a row. and this year, so far, a 91.9 overall grade. Pretty wild. Aaron Rodgers had his 91.8 overall grade this year. That is his third game with an elite grade. He had two, against Detroit, it was basically elite. It was an 89.4. He also had an 86.7 against New Orleans. He had kind of a three-game rough patch, which by rough patch, I mean none of them were in the 90s. He did have that game against Tampa where he graded out in the 40s, which obviously hurts him because if it wasn't for that, he'd probably be number one, but that's going to kind of drag him down a little bit. Followed that up with Houston with a 70. Minnesota, he got an 80, and now he's back to a 91, so I'm hoping he's just kind of back in the groove here. That bye week just kind of threw him off, and now he's, he's, he's back after it, man. But so far this year, he has a 93.8 overall grade. His highest grade in 2014, 93.4. So he edged that back out. He's back up to being his best year ever. So right now, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae are having their best years ever and are both grading out as elite. Are both, right now, Aaron Rodgers is the second highest graded quarterback in football. And the only reason he's not clearly the number one is because Russell Wilson's having a freakishly once-in-a-career year the same time Aaron Rodgers is. Devontae also is now having the best year um, of his career and is also the number one highest graded wide receiver in football right now. So, fantastic. And another reason to be not only optimistic, but find a reason to be happy about this team. Because there's going to come a time when we don't have an elite quarterback and and an elite wide receiver, and it could be as early as next year if Aaron Rodgers just isn't quite this good, which why would you expect him to be? Nobody's ever this good. Even Aaron Rodgers, when he is this good isn't this good next year, right? The, the 93.4 in 2014. The next year he was graded at a 75. I mean, that was the worst year of his career, but still, I just, you know, I know that's not the year he was hurt. That was 2017. 2015 was just a bad year, the year he started dating Olivia Munn. I'm just saying, that was the Olivia Munn year. Then they broke up and it was a 91.4, you know, no big deal. Um, The third elite player, shockingly and very excitingly, is Mr. Kingsley Kiki. And when I had told somebody that, uh, they said, well, yeah, clearly the the running game was different. Actually, the biggest reason he was graded as elite, he had an 86.6 overall pass rush grade. So kind of interesting because he didn't have that big of an impact in terms of pressures. But it was kind of like I talked about yesterday, I think, where I said it seemed like a lot of guys were doing a good job just getting a lot of push up front, but not quite getting to the quarterback. That must have been Kingsley in a nutshell, just winning You know, ESPN tracks the win rate, beating the guy in front of you. That's goal number one. Number two is get to the quarterback. So he must have just been dominating the guy in front of him. And again, this is huge for Kingsley because the weird anomaly about Kingsley Kiki is... He's built like a defensive tackle that you expect to be a good pass rusher. He's kind of a smaller, leaner type of guy as far as defensive tackles go, but he's always been much better against the run, and he actually was the highest graded run defender on the entire defense. It was only a 70.9 overall, but still, everybody else graded out pretty terribly. But um, the fact that he maintains that level of being one of our better run defenders, but is also breaking out recently as a pass rusher... Which, as I mentioned before, goes all the way back to college. He was a much better run defender than he was a pass rusher back in college. But, um, I mean, he he had a bad week last week, although he didn't play very much. He only had 16 snaps against Minnesota, but it was a bad week. But he's been... Right now, he has a 78.3 overall grade, which is fantastic. I think he's the 14th highest graded defensive tackle in all of football right now. Which, again, we keep saying we need a better defensive tackle. They're grading out fine. I think the bigger problem is everything when it comes to defense is about the weakest link and there's always a weak link somewhere. And that's causing problems, right? Whether it's Preston can't hold the edge, or Zadarius can't hold the edge, or Rashawn can't hold the edge, or one of the defensive tackles is just getting blown completely out of the water, or a linebacker isn't doing his job, or Darnell Savage isn't coming up and filling the gap, or whatever it is, if you watched Coach Hahn's video, kind of defending Mike Patton, there was a lot of that, right? Your job is to do this, he didn't do his job, therefore, what should have been like a a stop for zero or a one-yard gain becomes like an eight-yard gain, and there's no reason for that. But do we have individuals on this defense that are doing a great job, but we just don't see it because we assume everybody sucks because the the you know ability to stop the run isn't there? Yes, we do. And again, Kingsley Key I mean, if you go back, starting in week three, his grades have been 76, 70, 77, 72, 46 was his one bad game. And again, a weird game where he didn't play very much. And then 90.0. I mean, we've been talking about this guy possibly breaking out. He broke out. It happened, and nobody's talking about it. Again, for, for obvious reasons, nobody sees it, nobody cares, because and, and also because he's not generally making the plays. He hasn't made a lot of tackles to stop the run, he hasn't sacked the quarterback a ton, he does have 11 pressures, which is actually quite low considering 151 attempts, but um, he actually has been grading out pretty poorly as a pass rusher, aside from this past week. But again, that's the biggest missing piece for him, he's always been pretty steady as a, as a run defender. But uh, if he adds that pass rush piece and adds in a little bit more consistency, I mean, he's right there on the verge of of breaking out as a really solid defensive tackle. And not a moment too soon, because again, when you look forward to the draft, the question is, what do we need the most? Offensive tackle is becoming rapidly the most important piece, even if we keep David Bakhtiari around, because you look at it and say, well, I don't know, I mean, obviously Wagner's not going to stick around. However, maybe they look at it and say, we keep... We kick Billy Turner out to tackle, and whether you like that or not, that's the situation moving forward, and we're set at tackle. Not to say you can't draft another one, but you're not going to waste a first-round pick when you have the position settled. You're kind of looking later at some some possible depth or whatever. If that's the case, then you look at wide receiver and you say, well, I mean, we've got Lazard and Devontae, and we're going to have Funchess next year. So as much as you want to add a piece. Do you want to expend a first-round pick on it, especially for a team that doesn't like to do that anyways? Then you look at linebacker, and you say, well, they're never going to put a first-round pick on a linebacker. I mean, I shouldn't say never, but clearly they don't really want to. And then you look at defensive tackle, and you say, well, Montravius is kind of stepping up. Kingsley's starting to step up. It's like, I don't, I, okay, what, what should we just give away our first-round pick? What are we doing here? I think any of these things would be good options, but at the same time, it really just depends. There's, a lot of, there's just so many question marks right now. Not only... What? Where do we actually stand? But what does Brian Gutekunst think? I mean, does he agree that Montrevius and Kingsley are doing a good job? Does he actually feel comfortable with wide receiver? Is he really worried? Um, I mean, again, obviously things fall apart when Lazard isn't there. But what about when he's on the field? And what about you know? Fun- I mean, maybe Funches does work out. Now we got Devontae, we got Lazard, we got Funches, we got a a trio of guys. You know, are are we looking at tight end? I would doubt it. Not saying we never add another tight end, but, I mean, we know that they like uh, Tunyon. I'm never going to not say it like that because I just hate saying it. Um, Sternberger, you know, eh, I was excited about him. I don't even think they like him that much, as evidenced by the fact that the second DeGuara started, he was getting more snaps than than Sternberger. But I think they like DeGuara a lot, and I think they're going to put a lot into him. I don't know, man. It's a it's a weird thing. There's, there's seemingly, like, a lot of needs. But at the same time, when you look at it and you kind of think about it, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Linebacker for sure, for sure. But again, first round, Packers, really? I don't know. Not so sure about that, Chief. Almost has to be a defensive tackle. But again, Kingsley Kiki definitely stepping up. Actually, if we look at overall, he's he's the second highest graded player on this defense. Jair is number one. He dropped to an 88.3. Um... Kingsley at a 78.3. Zadarius at a 73.9. Unfortunately, only three guys 70 and above. Everybody else is 60s, 50s, or lower, um, which is obviously extremely disappointing and needs to get turned around. But again, we're seeing the cracks a little bit, right? Zadarius kind of showing little flashes here and there. Um, Tyler a little bit here and there. Even Montrevious grading out in the 60s, I'm going to call a win because the guy has been one of the worst players I mean, last year, his overall grade was a 41. So the fact that he's at a 62, I'll take it. Now, is he going to be a long-term answer? Probably not. However, and again, this is why we, we recognize Montravius and not Kingsley Kiki. Montrevious's tackling grade is phenomenal. Same with, uh, what, uh, Chris Barnes. We love or I shouldn't say we love Montrevious, but we've been impressed by Montravius and we love Chris Barnes because we see the tackling and we appreciate that but there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't see and don't necessarily appreciate so again some growth from Montrevious he hasn't graded out in the 70s since weeks uh, three and four back to back since then it's been 50s and 60s but again still calling that a win he's provided absolutely zero as a pass rusher which is just not good enough even if you're solid against the run I don't know if you stick around if you're this bad two pressures on 57 attempts 3.5%. I mean, you get a 400-pound nose tackle, and he's going to do better than that. But again, progress. Kingsley Kiki, progress. We definitely need some of the other guys to step up. We need Zadarius to be a lot better. Um, The fact that Kenny Clark is the 11th highest graded defensive player on this team with four pressures and 91 attempts. I mean, Kenny Clark has been just awful so far this year. His overall grade was a 52 against San Francisco. Which, again, if considering the money we paid him, that should never ever happen. He is, he is a subpar defensive tackle in 2019. He's had one game regraded in the 70s. That was against Houston. Other than that, he's been kind of just bad all year. So, And, and I think Matt LaFleur even commented on this. He said, we need our star players to start acting like star players. Zedarius has been terrible. Kenny has been terrible. Preston has been terrible. Rashawn has been terrible. Savage has been terrible. Amos has been mediocre at best. These are the guys that have to step up. Jair, again, is the only guy that's really stepped up. And what a waste. What an absolute waste to have a guy that finally breaks out. And it's like, where's everybody else? Because the, the potential. If Zadarius stayed at that same level, if we just had him and Kenny, with with Jair being a true, legitimate lockdown corner, the potential of this team, I mean, easily the best team in football when you couple that with what the offense is capable of. And and maybe they can still get to that, but this is this is beyond unacceptable. Um, Other guys that had good games, Sedarius did have a good day, although his run defense was in the 30s. His tackling grade was in the 20s. That's not acceptable. But he did have four pressures on 21 attempts. I think I mentioned that yesterday, so that's 20%. He did a great job as a pass rusher yesterday. 93.2 overall grade. Um, Just keep it up, man. I will give you a complete pass on the run defense. I couldn't care less. If you can just keep this up as a pass rusher, I don't care. I don't care if you miss every tackle from here on out. Please just become a quarterback hunter again. We'll let somebody else figure out the run defense aspect. And then on top of that, Raven Green, who again has just been a, a difference maker in my mind. I know he's he that one game got picked on, but... I mean, you know, the the interception was kind of a layup, but his tackling ability, just his his overall aggression when he's on the field has been really impressive. Um, Some other guys that kind of stood out that are worth recognizing, Stanford Samuels, only 13 snaps. He was high 60s, so not quite graded out as good, but his tackling grade was solid. His pass rush grade was fantastic. um, And nothing was really bad. So kudos to him. Granted, obviously, this is him coming out once all the starters are getting pulled, but still. Credit where it's due. Ty Summers, fifth highest graded player. Another guy similar to Montrevees who is consistently graded out as putrid, um, stepping up. And not only that, again, the tack the tackling across the board this week was fantastic. And I think that's that's a big deal. I mean, the run defense grades were terrible. The pass rush grades were, some of them were actually not bad, but but you know off and on. But you can see the difference in the team when just the tackling is on point. Right, every every single Packer fan watching this, although maybe you were. More or less impressed than others, it's still, you can just feel the difference when this is a team that wraps up and drives through people. Just tackle well, and we're, we're going to love you. Don't miss tackles. If you come, even, even if it, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't have allowed the guy to get four yards, if a linebacker comes up or if Raven Green comes up or somebody comes up and just smokes the guy, forgiven. I, f- I don't even want those. Give them the four yards. They can keep it. Don't even care. Uh, Randy Ramsey, he, you know, wouldn't say he graded out well, but he's the last guy that... Oh, no, Chandon was also in the 60s, but the last guy that was in the 60s. Everybody else was below that, which kind of stinks when seven guys were average or better and the rest of the 22 were terrible. But I'll give him a little shout-out. He had 10 pass rush attempts and one pressure, so he's right at 10%. Um, the guys who were really, really bad, starting at the worst, Oren Burke. It's becoming a consistent thing with him being just the worst ever. His overall grade was in the 20s. His run defense was in the 30s. His tackling was in the 40s. His coverage grade was a 29. Four targets, four receptions, 76 yards. I think I went over that yesterday. Uh, Kadar Holman I was somewhat impressed with, but PFF was not. Um, His tackling grade was great, but his coverage grade was horrific. Chris Barnes was uh, 20th overall. Again, the linebackers consistently at the bottom of the list. He graded out in the 40s. Josh Jackson graded out in the 40s. Jair actually had a game in the 50s. They uh, Just overall run defense and coverage they had in the 50s. They just didn't like what he did for whatever reason. I don't really know what the problem was. Again, that's one of those, either you, you go back and watch it to determine whether you agree or not, or you just say, you know what, he didn't give up any passes, so why do I care? He did great in my mind. Either way is fine. Everybody else just... 50s you know uh jonathan garvin kenny clark henry black dean lowry tyler lancaster rashawn gary Montravius, darnell amos and preston all below average so i mean th- this is this is a problem and it has to be better and if i'm mike petten and, and again if i agree with um with with what coach Hahn said and there's no reason not to pff seems to agree as well you know you can talk about scheme all you want but let's 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 try to evaluate the scheme when these guys actually play well Right when they're grading out poor, poorly because they're n- clearly not doing their job, i.e., they can't get off blocks, they they can't, you know, they're getting beat in the trenches, they're not tackling. I mean, if 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 guys start playing well and we're still losing, okay, Mike Pettin's head is on the chopping block. But when everybody here is grading out poorly, with the exception of like two or three guys, it's hard to say Mike Pettin's doing a bad job schematically. Now you can, you know, crucify him if you want for uh, maybe not putting guys in the right position to succeed. But even that's kind of tricky when you look at it and say, really, why is he responsible for Kenny Clark not doing his job? What is Kenny Clark doing differently than he was doing before when he was good? What about Zedarius and Preston and all these guys who were good last year that are not good this year? Did the scheme change or what? Um, Anyways, offensive grades, several other guys did quite well. Billy Turner, outside of Devontae and uh, Adams, I mentioned, were elite. Billy Turner was in the 80s. Corey Lindsley also in the 80s. Tyler Irvin graded out extremely well, which is great. Uh, More so as a receiver than a runner, but, you know, I'll take it. Um, Elton Jenkins graded out well great to see. He's been real off and on, and usually when he does well, it's one aspect he does really well, one he does really poorly. He graded out in the 70s as, as both a pass blocker and a run blocker, so I'm going to put him in the category of guys who have elite potential but just really inconsistent. Again, this is from PFF's standpoint. I have not gone and watched every single one of his snaps. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll add in 100%, because I've done it in the past where I've actually graded out the players and done my own grades. takes way too much time Let me just remind all of you, I will be doing that again if I can ever do this full time. And I actually really look forward to that. Not that I actually know, but it's good for me to actually watch and and to be able to give my full opinion on how guys are playing as opposed to just telling you what these guys are saying about them. Um, Rick Wagner was close. Lots of 60s. Guys who did not grade out very well. Uh, John Lovett down at the bottom. John Runyon did not grade out well, which makes me sad because I like him. His pass blocking grade was a 23, so that's brutal. Um, Malik Taylor did actually not grade out very well in any category, which is also surprising, but it's a thing. Darius Shepard, Jay Sternberger, not surprising, no offense, but I mean, let's call it what it is. Lucas Patrick, a pass-blocking grade also in the 20s, which is surprising considering there was no pressure all day. Um, Equinemius graded out poorly. Yash Nijman came out for four snaps, apparently was not very impressive. And finally, shockingly, Aaron Jones graded out in the 50s he had a 23 overall pass blocking grade, a 58 running grade. they had no they were not impressed with his running ability this is this is by the way the moment where everybody says i'm never listening to you do pff again because how dare you slander aaron jones i get it it is what it is but um you know every once in a while those pop up you know i don't know i you know i don't know how they do what they do again go back and watch it yourself and come to your own conclusions and just be happy with your own conclusions otherwise just do what I'm doing and take their conclusions. And then just shrugging and saying, I don't care because I love Aaron Jones and what he brings to this offense. Apparently he could have done better. Sweet. (laughs) Great. Look forward to seeing that next week when he destroys the Jaguars defense. All right, let's take a peek at, um, I guess there's a couple ways we can do this. I do have a big board that I keep. It's, um, at this point, it's just my own personal big board. I don't really publish it anywhere I used to, but it just, it didn't really get a lot of traction. But basically what I do for those that don't know is there's a billion different big boards out there right there's the draft network and tankathon and blah 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 great blue north I take all those and then I aggregate them into one board right just average them out so if Trevor Lawrence is number one on everybody's board you average that and it's he's number one overall and that's how I come out with my board so we can look at that to kind of give a general overview of the the top Prospective prospects, but a lot of these guys have already declared. So there's also what PFF says about some of these guys, which means that they're lesser known. Although some of you, pretty much all these guys are lesser known. So I don't know exactly the right way to do this, but we'll look at the games coming up. First of all, at wide receiver, probably not overly surprising, although it is a little bit because PFF usually has a lot of obscure people uh, at the top of their lists. For example, uh, Jaquari Roberson out of Wake. They must just be better than everybody else in their respective conference or whatever they're in, because the amount of guys that they have that are at the top of every list is crazy. Wake Forest, I'm referring to. But the number one wide receiver right now is Devontae Smith out of Alabama. Devontae, Devonta. I've been calling him Devonta, but I think it's Devontae. I don't know. It's part of the fun of this season, is saying everybody's name wrong. As of right now, I've got him number 12 overall on the big board, meaning pretty much zero chance we're going to get this guy on our team. If you look at potential wide receivers that are kind of in that range where the Packers are going to be, that's kind of a dead zone. Uh, Rondale Moore is 18, meaning he's probably out of range. you got to go all the way down to 35 before you get Chris Olave, 40 at Amon Ross St. Brown. That's Equinemius's brother. So I guess if you wanted to, uh, and I'm assuming this is actually happening, USC's first game is happening against Arizona State Sun Devils' first game. If you wanted to see a potential first-round pick wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, one of the better, more likely scenarios at this particular point in time is Equinemius' brother, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, USC is playing the Sun Devils at 11 Central time uh, today. That would be one guy to keep an eye on. He does play primarily out of the slot. I don't know how exactly that plays for the Packers. Um, I think it's something that they would need. At six foot one, nearly 200 pounds, you could kind of call him a big slot. I mean, he's not exactly Alan Lazard, and he doesn't grade out all that well as a run blocker. So he doesn't fit the typical, prototypical Packers Gudekunst Lafleur wide receiver role. But at the end of the day, you know, if what you're looking for is just a good football player, this might be top of the list. Uh, last year, he had 77 receptions on 103 targets for 1,042 yards and 6 touchdowns. He also does occasionally go in motion, the, the jet motion type stuff. He had 7 rushing attempts for 60 yards. He had one of his 7 go for 10 plus yards. He actually went for 37 yards. I should find out what that game... See, this is the cool thing about PFF2 is I could be putting together some really awesome highlights because I know exactly what game that happened. I can go find it. If you're curious, that was against Colorado. Actually, if you want to see... Uh, what PFF considered his best game, although he's kind of just he's consistently good, not great, which is maybe what you're into. I don't know, but uh, it was actually against Arizona State last year, who is which is who they're playing this year. Uh, the other guy, Chris Olave, for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, last year, PFF really liked him, gave him an 85.1 overall grade. If you want to go back and see what they said was his best grade game, check him out against Northwestern. He didn't play all that much, but that was his highest ga- uh, grade. 6'1", 188. Today, you're going to be able to see him against uh, Rutgers. Chris Olave is a guy that, um, it's just occasionally you get these guys that I just don't really get it. I think last year it was, uh, what, K.J. Hill or something like that. Real similar situation. Like I just, I don't see what it is. I mean, he gets the yards and everything else. I don't see anything necessarily special about him. But again, he does well. I know I've got several Ohio State fans that listen to the podcast that are just screaming at me right now, but I, you know, whatever. Um, he's a big red zone guy he only had 849 yards but he had 12 touchdowns in 2019 so far this year he's played two games he's got two touchdowns also has over 200 yards in two games which is pretty impressive I guess Uh, 102 yards against Nebraska 120 yards and two touchdowns against Penn State so I mean the guy just absolutely went off he didn't grade out all that well for whatever reason probably because he had he's had a fumble in each of these last two games which is a pretty big problem Um, he has zero drops but two fumbles which is pretty crazy but uh, for six foot one, one eighty eight, and as far as I know, he's not a super big speed guy. Um, having seventeen yards per reception, he's he's doing quite well um, on the deep balls. So you can you can check both of these guys out again. Uh, presumably these games are happening. I'm uh, on raw. You can see probably pretty close to the time that you catch this. Um, it's going to be two hours after about right now when I'm recording this. And then tonight at six thirty central time, you got Ohio State. Some other guys that are grading out extremely well that you probably haven't heard much about, um, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, 5'9", 185, so definitely not what uh, the Packers are are into all that much, but he's having a great season so far. He's had two elite games. He is a slot guy. Again, if the Packers are into it, I would love to get a, a Randall Cobb type of guy. This is, this is top of the list. Um, had 10 receptions for 227 yards against Florida in week four. This past week against Vanderbilt, fourteen receptions on fifteen targets for two hundred and thirty eight yards and three touchdowns. The guy's just going absolutely nuts over there at Ole Miss. Probably has something to do with that elite quarterback they got over there that I've been talking about forever that everybody made fun of me for. I don't know, just saying. If you're looking for a guy that kind of fits the the mold of what the Packers tend to like, it's kind of hard to find him. I mean, Marlon Williams is six foot two fifteen. He's really short for a Packers wide receiver, but I mean he's two hundred and fifteen pounds, I guess. There's not that many options, and and I don't know, I really don't genuinely know how much that actually plays into what the Packers are doing. I know they like bigger type guys, but I would just be shocked if they're looking at guys like, nah, he's only six foot, 200 pounds, I don't want him, right? Good receivers are good receivers, and there's a huge list of guys that are really, I mean, it's just, it's a dominant year for offensive players similar to what it was last year. Uh, especially at wide receiver, again, similar to the way it was last year, but the packers are going to have to break from their mold if they're going to want to try to get a really dominant wide receiver because the six foot four two hundred and thirty pound wide receivers, they're just not a thing. I mean, just in general, it's not a thing, but I mean, you know, I mean Terrace Marshall is six three two hundred out of LSU. The 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 20th overall wide receiver. This is the highest graded guy I can find that really fits the mold, and if, if you're really looking for a guy that the Packers are going to love because of his height and all that kind of stuff, Jonathan Adams Jr., um, out of Arkansas State, is six foot three, two 220 pounds. His overall PFF grade is an 80, definitely a breakout guy. His, his previous three years, 66, 61, 66, and then this year, 80, for um, th- he's played weeks one two five six seven eight nine so in seven games he has 51 receptions for 732 yards and eight touchdowns, 14.4 yards per reception if you're looking for a game to go watch uh, some highlights of jonathan adams check him out against kansas state in week two and yes he has a very good run blocker so there you go there's your guy if you're trying to find a uh matt lafleur wide receiver if you're looking for a run-defending defensive tackle, and I'll leave it at this because, I mean, again, what else? I mean, I We'll look at linebackers, I guess. The one guy that consistently stands out for me, um, you know, 74 overall as a pass rusher, that's not his big thing. The big thing that he is is a big old run defender, and he's been at the top for a while. Every time I look at it, this is the guy that stands out, but Alim McNeil out of NC State. Now, he's 6'2", 320, which obviously is not generally what the Packers like. I mean, he's he's on the big side, although, you know, he's Packers will do 320. That's, that's about as big as they'll get, though. But he's a straight-up nose tackle, 91 overall run defense grade. Unfortunately, you can't watch him because he played yesterday. But if you want to go back and check that out, he does play for NC State. In fact, he graded out quite well. Those grades are already out. Um, he had an 84 overall grade against Miami, 88.7 run defense grade. Didn't have a single pressure because, you know, that's what you get from 320-pound guys, I guess but just a dominant guy that plugs a hole in the middle of the defense. Otherwise, if you're looking for a run defender that kind of fits the uh, the mold of a Packers defender, check out Dante Stills out of West Virginia, 6'4", 280, built like a Mike Pettin defensive tackle. 90 overall run defense grade so far this year. He also does have 12 pressures, which is relatively low for 156 attempts, but it's not terrible. He does have two sacks, both of them coming the last two weeks. Real consistent kind of a guy. Um... I mean, just, you know, 84, 78, 77, 75, 74, 74, just, again, consistent. Right now on my big board, Dante Stills is 132 overall. So we're talking fourth, fifth round, um, Mr. Stills is available. And finally, linebacker, highest graded linebacker. Obviously, it's a smaller school, but he's worth bringing up. Uh, Zavin Collins out of Tulsa, basically elite across the board. Um, Not quite as much as a run defender but uh, elite tackler, elite pass rush, elite coverage. If you're looking for a really big, you're probably going to watch the game anyways because it's the biggest game of the week, but uh, Clemson versus Notre Dame. It's a guy by the name of Jeremiah Owosu Karamoa, 6'2", 215. In six weeks, he's been targeted 12 times, 8 receptions, 61 yards. He does have one pick. He's given up zero interceptions. 44.1 passer rating when targeted. He's also got an 80.4 run defense grade, so he's solid against the run. So far, very good coverage grade. Uh, Top Ten-ish, yeah, seventh overall in uh, college football. Considering there's seven thousand linebackers in college football, that's pretty solid. On the flip side of that, uh, since you're watching that game anyways, James Skalski for Clemson. He doesn't grade out quite as high overall because his run defense, tackling, etc. But as a uh, cover guy, he's the fifth highest graded coverage linebacker in all of college football. So, the fifth and sixth highest graded coverage linebackers are going up against each other uh, with the Clemson Notre Dame game. Seven targets, only three receptions, two pass breakup. 50.3 passer rating when targeted. Six foot, 240. So, um, if you're interested in linebackers, this is going to be a good game to watch. just a good game in general. But keep an eye on James Skalski, Skalski for Clemson and Jeremiah Owosu Karamoa for Notre Dame. So, anyways, just a couple. I mean, it's hard to, kind of just depends on what you're looking for. I could find pretty much anything. But I figure, since you're going to be watching this game anyways, check out those two linebackers for sure. And again, for wide receiver, um, check out Chris Olave and then Amon Ra for an early game this Saturday. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.